Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today by popular demand, a comedian whose name often goes hand-in-hand with critical acclaim, a writer on the critically acclaimed series Arrested Development and one half of the critically acclaimed podcast The Dollop. Hello and welcome, Gareth Reynolds. Mike, that is quite an intro. I want to make it to a show. I mean, everything. The bragging about how far away you are from things, it's... Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) a... Go big or go home. Yeah, you must have Juilliard breath training. It's getting... (laughs) Unfortunately, this is becoming the signature segment of the show as the monologue is to late night TV. People commenting on my intro. Just impressed by the breath. And then then me saying, it's actually getting more difficult. I saw Meatloaf play at the Gibson Amphitheater a couple of years ago, and I'm starting to feel like how I I imagine... That he's just like, let me try one more fucking time. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Give me, give me the inhaler and yeah. let him show him the old loaf. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. It's lovely yeah. to be here. Yeah, thank you to come here on this blustery Los Angeles day. It's crazy the way this city responds to rain has always been. God damn it. It's proper rain today, at least. Today is actual rain. Yeah. Today, people should be driving the way they are. And you hail from a place that has proper weather. You are a, um, I was reading your... All of my research for today comes from your IMDb bio. Okay. Which was, it says it was written by Anonymous. So Sure. I am operating on the assumption probably like a, like a Middle Ages Byzantine monk. Sure, that yeah. That tends to be Anonymous. I'm a lot, monks do a lot of blogging about me. <laughs> Maybe. I'm big in the monk community. Maybe a long dead, uh, you know, millennia old Chinese man. Yeah. It, and, was a, it, you went, it was on a scroll that came out of your screen, right? That's <laughs> it, them. That's it the was. Yeah. It was aged. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Luckily, I speak yes. Byzantine. <laughs> Good. So, uh, so it says- That's Rosetta Stone, right? It says there- Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. they, they threw it in with yeah. Mandarin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It says you uh, you are from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which I think I knew about you, and I I, uh, I have some Milwaukee people in my life as well. Sorry to hear that. So um, you, Milwaukee's the greatest. I love Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and um, yeah, you are you get very used to the weather as the people there did uh, this week. But you get used to the weather here as well. My mother in law is yeah, oh, yeah. is living with me, which is delightful. Oh yes, um, sitcom living a sitcom without an, a laugh track is always fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our wacky neighbors actually is at dinner. It's great. Right. <laughs> we don't even have to wait for the door to open. Yeah, it's She's just like, it's like yeah. if Kramer was actually the roommate. Well, I mean, that was sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she's only been here for uh, a year, and the time's flown. It seems like a week to me. Um, sure, obviously. But uh, I have a baby, and I was taking her for a walk, and she's like, "You can't take her outside. It's too cold." And this was yesterday, and I was like, "I'll bundle her up." You are in this LA is now. a woman who has li- lived in Wisconsin for three decades. Told me I best not take my daughter outside. Gareth Reynolds, check my phone. Sixty-two degrees. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I that is overreaction. She <laughs> has clearly betrayed the state uh, by her overcautiousness. 
Uh, you do though. Your blood, your blood thins out, so you get used to it. I when I went back there uh, in uh, was it December? I think it was. I think it was early December. It was. I mean, it's just crazy. The intensity of that cold is. You cannot remember it. I don't know. I mean, that's what people would always say. Like, I don't know how you live in it. When you grow up in it, you you don't know anything. It's like abuse. Yeah. And it's then, all you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you leave and you're like, what have they been doing? No wonder people are yeah. shocked that I live there. Yeah. The only difference between you and your parents is your parents had a choice. They, mo- they moved. To there? To there. They're English. They're from England, moved to Wisconsin and raised me there like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Why was there a reason they did that? Uh, they wanted to die. They wanted their <laughs> aim was death. Uh, no, my father got. They had a, recently uh, seen The Shining. Uh, yeah, were really yeah, inspired yeah, by the yeah, end. Yeah. They thought, what, what better way to raise a child? We want to live, a, like, we want to live like movie stars. Enormous building, specifically yeah. George. Yeah, uh, and well, that so, explains why your name's Gareth. Exactly. Yes, uh, and uh, so yeah, I, then my dad basically got a job, and then we. Um, and then yeah, and then just live there. And you took to it. Do you? Is I learned from the monk on IMDb that you have a Packers tattoo. I do. I do indeed. My only tattoo is a tattoo of the Green Bay Packers. Go Packers. Go Badgers. Go Pack. Uh, rough year, but yeah, I have uh, my one tattoo because it reminds me of my favorite team and my favorite state. So uh, let's see. Starting at the top of the scroll, after moving to Los Angeles, you starred in. I don't watch a lot of network television, so I'll confess I was not one hundred percent familiar with some of the network projects with which you have been associated. Okay, that's that's fair. Hollywood is the same. Feels the same way. You starred in. Uh, uh, NBC, National Broadcasting Company. I was afraid this was the one that was coming out. <laughs> the real Wedding Crashers. I heard they turned it into a movie uh, called The Wedding Crashers, but who knows. Um, Is that the order that happened? I think. I Don't go back and check, but I think it was that order. Right. Do not look it up, but I'm pretty sure it went Cause the movie, reality the movie prank I saw. Show. That was very successful. You saw the movie. Yeah, the movie's based on the show. I think. I mean, again, like numbers. I'm not good with numbers, but yeah. I... And I don't remember who they put in it. Now I feel like such a hick. It's like seeing the Sarah Michelle Gellar grudge having no idea that you really ought to have seen Juan. Well, <laughs> and I mean, who hasn't made that faux pas at some party? Uh, <laughs> just egg on your face. Uh, yeah. So what was happening there? Real wedding uh, crashing. It was not, I mean, well, I moved to L.A. and I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, so at what point in your uh, frozen youth do you realize this that, is the thing that you're going to do? And oh, I think everybody probably at some point or another play acts, pretends being in show business or acting or, or being a comedian or what have you. How does, how does that go from being something you're thinking about to something you actually do? Um, My guess is, I mean, in I, I think... I think maybe as you get older, that version of life becomes uh, impossible in a way. You know, like, I, I think, to me, like, I think it's just that I couldn't do anything else in a way. Like, there was really, nothing came along that I was like, oh, you know what, I'm actually good with numbers. Or, you know, like, nothing like that happened in my life. So, from as a kid, I really wanted to, in some capacity, be in front of people making jokes and, and you're performing in some way. I just didn't really have any idea what that meant and how to do it. And and as I was growing up, it was always the thing, you know, I mean, like my friends who wanted to be famous hockey players, they slowly would be like, oh, no, I'm actually going to, you know, 
uh, be a, run my dad's company or what I was still like right. I'm going to do this and and you can't get cut from the JV stand-up team no right thereby yeah, telling right. you in, yeah. in, in in no uncertain yeah, right. terms kid it ain't working yeah. out maybe Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team yeah. but you are simply bad at this right yeah right yeah so so yeah I mean I and so really all I had was just um my instinct and I was I worked at uh, a place called Comedy Sports which was like uh, the only game in town when it came to like improv and stuff like that and um, it was really the first like community that I had sort of fallen into and you know made friends with these people who like to me were like movie stars who the people who were performing in uh, on stage I mean they were like you know rock stars to me and one of them was like I probably was 17, I must have been 17, and he was like, um, you know, what's your plan? And I was like, you know, I really wanted to do comedy sports. I was like, I don't know, probably stay here. And I want to be the next you. Yeah, I was like, I want to be you, Joe. And uh, <laughs> and he was like... Um, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, in, in a way, in a, in a really like almost drunken, profound statement, just said something that that to me was like, yeah, I guess... I should. Tr- I can always come here, mm-hmm. and I can go try something and come back here. There are bigger comedy scenes than Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It. Fa- I mean, that's that's the thing about performing is that if there are people there and there's you know a stage, that's enough. Mm-hmm. But you forget that yeah, that's that's not like a huge circuit. But again, it's where I grew up, and you know, ninety six point five WKLH. I was like, man, if I can get on that radio, you know, it's like all it's all that thinking, and yeah, and so um, and then I just I had a drama teacher uh, who was very good to me, and she was like, you need to go pursue something, and help me get into a school that kind of catered to the arts, and then I you know, and that just kind of launched it all. That's just kind of when I just. I, I got comfortable moving away from home, and then I, I think that's just enough, you know? Are you damaged? Are you broken? Uh, as a comedian? Like, uh, no, I've been I, I damaged and broken. <laughs> well, who hasn't been? Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think um, It's such a crutch that I think comedians often lean on to be inconsistent, uh, undependable assholes. Yes, I think that uh, it's unfortunate that, that, uh, that that's... Uh, an out mm-hmm. by being a comedian um yeah but i i mean no i i think you know i i think there's definitely uh something to the idea that you're getting attention maybe in a way that you aren't or weren't by having people sort of approve of what you're saying you know um but i i don't think it i i had a pretty easy existence i mean rough patches obviously okay well whoever the haters were you taught them all when you started in the nbc series the real wedding crashers that's true (laughs) that's true that's what they put on the poster that wasn't there uh (laughs) yeah that show well that must be cool okay so what what's the real wedding crash well so essentially it was a a show from the people who did punked um where you would go to a wedding and and the week before the wedding you the bride and groom knew that you were there to fuck with people. And so they would invite you to their wedding, and then you would just do stuff all week. And then at the actual wedding that the show would pay for, um, there was just a lot of shenanigans. Um, but it was, really was like... It's actually not a bad idea. It's not. I actually was talking about this last night for some bizarre reason, but one of the things that I think was a problem was that it was an hour. So it's an hour of this shit. So you are just like sitting there, just kind of like, oh my god. And um, but it was really, it really was. It was the first. It was like, I totally remember 
feeling like this was a huge deal, and it's really it is a big deal. It was. I mean, for sure. I mean, it was like you know the. I mean, the idea that I was in like commercials on NBC, like when it was happening, I was like, this is fucking crazy. Um, How long had you been here at that point? I'd probably been here about maybe six years. Okay, okay something like okay. that. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you didn't step off a Greyhound bus and get on TV? No, yeah, yeah, no. Okay. It took for sure took a minute, um, and then it took uh, it took a minute for that show to get back on the Greyhound and go home, <laughs> uh, which happened quickly. Um, I'm always curious because I, I truly don't know. Like, what's it like being around a a network? And I mean that in the literal sense. Uh, when you're it, when you're in the shoot and you're a TV show and it's got a chance and then it's a green light, but a green light doesn't always really mean a green light. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming you were in the halls of NBC. What's the scene there? Um, in general, it you know, and I've done like a couple other things. Not you know, I mean that was unfortunately that one made it to air, but that that whole scene is very. I think you understand why people could become assholes a little bit because you are very much catered to. Uh, all the time there's there's just a lot of like love being given to you and people think you're fantastic and that you're gonna ch- you're gonna do so much and you know all that stuff and then it just kind of goes away so I think that that is you know it's a scene it really is I mean there's a lot of you know if something is successful on television and I mean keep in mind this is whatever like you know, years ago when, when ratings even mattered more, if someone's successful in that realm, I mean, these people make a shitload of money and they let you know by telling you they love you and they give you shit, you know? Um, so it's a scene. I mean, it's, it's an interesting scene, but it's certainly, you know, I, I'm lucky in a way that like I've had so many things that have not worked out because like I've gotten so used to that and conditioned to that and, you know, really don't need that, that, part of it but it it's strong i mean the force of that is strong you feel yeah you feel important whether you are or not is up for debate it's interesting to me in my very very limited interaction with like tv and with you know big time hollywood agencies and agents and stuff something that tends to unify them and i'm kind of inclined to believe that the people the real good ones maybe don't play this game but the cliche i have found maybe you have as well is very very true that they will treat you like you're the most important person in the world, even when y- you know that you are not, and it's obvious that this is just shenanigans, and the book that you wrote clearly doesn't always enjoy a place of prominence on their bookshelf, yeah. just so happens to be there that day. This is a fucking joke and a charade, but they'll play it with a straight face. They'll overinflate their uh, their affection for you beyond any bounds of believability, and then the second they don't need you, you will be dead yeah. to them and I guess I can see how that would become like somebody's playbook it's just funny how that seems to be everybody's playbook yeah I mean it it uh, that that's true I mean I I definitely met some uh really good people in mm-hmm. on that side of things but um yeah you you I mean that culture in general is it's re- it's just so bizarre the agency culture in general is and I've I, at this point probably been at all of the agencies you know like so you think that it's a big deal when you're signing at an agency I mean and it is in a way it can be it can be when you're signing at a place like you know William Morris or something I mean that's big you're like oh this is fucking crazy it means you're in the game and it, and at the end of the day it 
it really doesn't matter unless you've got a good person on your side. No matter where you go, unless it's a person that is going to actually shoot you straight and tell you what is actually happening, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's useless. It really is. It becomes, I mean, I'm at the point now where I have like the reps that I have, I'm so comfortable with and it's so calculated uh, on my part as to what I actually need versus what they tell me I need. You don't need that much shit, especially if you kind of create your own stuff. Um, you know, you need people to definitely tell you things, but for the most part, everybody that I have repping me now are people that I not only really like and trust, but they're people that um, I need. I need to have these these people. But you, over the years, uh, meet a lot of vapid you know, I mean, it really is. Anytime you go to like one of those premieres or any, I mean, it just, it's so bullshitty. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, you know, you're the best. I love you, man. Like, it really is like that. Yeah. And uh, I've sh- even met a couple where I had a feeling that in their personal lives, they were okay. That yeah. there was an absolute like on and off switch to the well, bullshit. And the truth is that when you're looking for a rep, you probably want a psychopath to some extent. You probably don't want like a family per, you know, you want someone who's out there working constantly for you. Um, yeah, my, my issues have been like when their client list grows, you know, they, eventually you just, like you said, they don't call you and go, Hey, I'm going to give you less attention. You yeah. just spend a year going like, what's going on? You know, why am I not, where's the stuff, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean that, you know, and that, that is essentially what they're founded on. And, 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 and there's nobody that's, you know, much like the comedians being late or dark, there's nobody that says stop to an agent. Nobody says, you know, have a little more care you know, to, to this side of things. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of is what it is. Then you took the lead on the ABC show, Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. I missed that one as well. I, everyone missed that one. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a pilot and uh, it was, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the things they picked up that season were like a thing about a, how, how long goes this? This is probably like three or four years ago. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, they picked up a show about a talking dog and an imaginary friend. Mm, that's what was big. But they both failed uh, tremendously. But there's always, I love, there's always like the cold of, of you know, there's, uh, uh, the infection that's going around. There's always yeah. the, you know, there was the time when everybody thought they needed a movie about threesomes. Yeah. There was a time when n- not just one movie about the Lombada would do. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, those are coming back. Uh, yeah. yeah I was... still Lombada, personally. I just, you know. I... You've been doing it throughout the show, which has been <laughs> highly distracting. At this point, I'm probably the best person in the world, if only because everybody gave up 25 years It's ago. a dead art. Yeah. But, but still, it's, you're it's, atop the mountain. It's, and that's fun. It, that much more the forbidden dance and that's fun you uh you wrote for the netflix series flaked which uh i've been meaning to watch has been in my queue the like a week ago my wife had insomnia and watched like nine episodes in a row so i have not seen it but uh-huh. i've had a series of very she weird, cheated on you i've had a series of very weird dreams about incorpor- flaked in- incorporating the characters and dialogue because i was trying to sleep while I she think was you're writing it. season three <laughs> I, you just don't know it yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Flaked is a uh, a Will Arnett uh, show that he not only is the star of, but is uh, one of the writers on. And, um, you know, it's kind of about, like, struggle with sobriety, a little biographical to some extent, I think, from his life. But uh, Oh, is he another one of those guys? Yeah, he, he is a, a sober a sober guy. Man. And a Venice guy. 
That well, show, the show, the show is, is, is very hyper local. Yes, it's hyper local, and and it's very like we, there would be times where we'd be like, well, just I don't think other people know about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I, you know, there's always that idea that the most universal things are the most specific. Down the street, yeah, and that uh, the smaller the stakes are. The bigger it feels, like the success, for example, of Parks and Rec is tied to the fact that the the power struggles are over things that simply do not matter. Right. That's axiomatic. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. Yeah. It's, it's hard for us to be objective about yeah, yeah. are people relating to this when we have had it's, obnoxious brunches on Abbott Kinney. Yes. You know, <laughs> ourselves. Yes. yes. So I have to assume that has some, you're working on that, has some relationship to your working on Arrested Development? Yes. Uh, the Flaked is a show. That it was uh, Will Arnett and uh, another guy named Mark Chappell who, who made that show. And it was through uh, the... Mitch Hurwitz's company. So Mitch Hurwitz, who's the creator of Arrested Development, would come in the room maybe. We did a lot of the writing, I think actually all the writing, at his uh, office. And um, and so he would pop in every now and then. And I mean, to me, I was just like, I could not believe, you know, really one of those moments where you're just sort of like, it's very bizarre that I'm not only in a room with Will Arnett, but here's Mitch Hurwitz, and you know we're having fun and we're talking like humans to each other, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and through yeah, that, and they're asking you questions and get, I, I, actually are paying you to yes. give a, a decent answer. Yes, there's some like a pitch is coming out of my mouth, and people aren't going, "Get the fuck out of here," you know. He's actually yeah. going, oh, "That's not a bad idea." Right. Um. And uh. And yeah. So through that, um, it, my writing partner and I, we were like, uh. In our head, we knew arrest was coming back, and in our heads, we were like, I mean, that would be amazing, but there's probably no way. And then I was in Iceland, and Mitch emailed us and, I mean, directly asked us, which maybe doesn't sound as crazy as it is because, you know, normally the offer to an agent, the negotiation, all this stuff, and Mitch just kind of directly emailed us and was like, could, you know, can you start in like two weeks or something like that? And, um, and then, yeah, that led to working on Arrested. I mean, it's kind of crazy because people become what they are, and that name is synonymous with, you know, gold standard comedy. But, you know, I was doing a little homework for you coming by and refreshing my memory about where Arrested Development came by. And he's he was essentially you 10 years earlier, yeah. which is not that long ago. No, he— So he is a, he is a dude. He, he is a human being. He's he actually, also was rejected from shit and stuff like that, presumably. He, not only a fantastic dude— and a genius, but he was like a savant. Like his story is crazy. Like he, like Mitch was like a savant essentially. He, I, I can't remember it exactly, but he, he basically like wrote a letter to someone, and they were like, oh, "If you want to come to set, come to set." And he just started. It's some, it's some story like that. And he just, he just started working in television extremely young, but he had this mind. I mean, he was like the youngest person on the Golden Girls. He was slowly like rising through the ranks and. I think it was kind of like in the the city, people knew like this dude is going to do something, right? You know, we just don't know what, but yeah, he yeah, is yeah. clearly like a a savant in, in yeah. some way. I know? guess Steve Carell had that same thing. Every, yeah, everybody knew that Steve Carell was going to had to, and not because you know, honestly, not because of his looks, not because this guy looks like a star. No, just he's just such a breakout the talent level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I and that and that's what you feel around um, <laughs> around Mitch. You know, it's like he, you know, I mean, he brings these characters to life, and he really is just the. A genius. I mean, it really like when you're around it, you really are like, okay, this is like this guy plays a different sport than I do. I mean, <laughs> I can I can swing a bat, but I'll, I, there's no way I'm hitting. So what? 
uh, how does it work? Is there um, is there a Bible of the characters? Like would they say, you know, Job would only do something smart if it leads to him doing something even stupider later on? No, there. I mean, I think with a show, I mean, on on some shows, um, you know, the, I'm working on a show now, and it's the first season of it. So you are there is like a genesis of like who these people are, and you're all kind of getting on the same page. Um, you know, the best Bible is watching a show that you're going to write on. Like I, I wrote on um, You're the Worst and like had never seen that show and watched all four seasons of that show and was like, I'm a huge fan of this show now, <laughs> you know. And uh, but you yeah, Somebody s- keeps telling me to watch that. I it, do it's now. great. Yeah, it's great. I think. I mean, I think it's great. It's um, tough. You watch a clip and you're like, eh, and there's just so many goddamn oh, yeah. options. No, for sure. It's one of those shows that, at least for me, like I'd heard about it a lot, never watched it. And it was like, you know, it's one of those shows like 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, yeah, I should, I'm going to watch all of these, you know, like it'll go down very quickly. Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd watched Arrested, I'd, you know, I'd watched all of them and, uh, and so I rewatched some of them, but I mean, as far as the, the, what the characters would do or, or not do, I mean, it's like, you know, they're, they are, that's one of the things about writing on that show is they are so defined. I mean, you know that each of those characters is totally insane except for Michael and that uh, they can pretty much get away with anything that's in their space. And, and like characters like Job, you know, I mean, there's really, there's nothing like he wouldn't do or Buster. There's, you know, there's really nothing that Tony Hale cannot make seem like, like that character. So you really can just throw anything at those characters. And it really is, you know, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's like the people on that show are so important to the show too because they make the stuff even if it's not good they make it seem you know good they they give it a fighting chance you know right um is there a sense that do you do you think that the show has some sort of end game for where the story is supposed to end up i know that obviously now they're just up against the practical limitations of can they can they get the guest the cast back together you know one or two more times do they even want to deal with yeah. that because there's the dicey elements of the cast even coming back together might be easier for everybody to just walk away at this point yeah well there's eight more left to come which i believe uh, I'm not sure when they come out. I, uh, I probably those are still not. I thought I. I thought I. No, there's those. there's still. I think that I think the fifth season was split in half. Was split in half. I thought I watched both halves. Man, I'm. Losing I don't it. think it's out. I I might be wrong. No, I, I, I'm I, gonna take. I'm gonna go with you. Over I genuinely could one. be wrong, but I don't think so. But um, but that is you know supposed to be the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly not like. Uh, I don't think it's like an end. I don't think you could undo it and not bring it back. I mean, I know Mitch has kicked around the idea of a movie for yes. ages, and yes. um, so I mean, yeah. I, who knows? I mean, we would we were kind of operating under the assumption that this would most likely be it, but there would be times, you know, when we would just be halfway through something, and Mitch would be like, "I think we could do another one," you know. So, but it, I mean, it, it's a it's a project. I mean, it is a oh it God. is a enormous beast and writing on it i mean you're writing you everybody needs to know what you're doing you're writing as the show's being shot you know so it's like it it probably has like an snl-ish vibe as far as the amount of papers that are getting passed along and um you know the movement that really there's just a lot of moving parts to it yeah and everything is so there's so many independent things going on that are all completely and completely dependent on one another yeah and i mean you are now dealing with a cast that probably when they first shot the show you know were not 
super successful, famous people, and because of that show, have become a lot bigger. So their schedules are a lot crazier, and their lives are a lot different. I mean, you know, so yeah. it it definitely it 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 was a surreal experience because of all of that, you know. So let's see what else you got a cat. Got a cat, Jose. That's great. Um, That's all you want to talk about? No no questions about the cat, Mike? Is there any... Tell me everything I need to know about Jose, your cat. He's a good boy. He uh, enjoys his climbing his tree tower. He likes to sleep on a pillow with me. He enjoys food probably more than any cat has enjoyed food. What kind of... Like people food, cat food? Cat food. His food. I have to mix his food with cucumber because he's so big. Oh, you got a, a fat big, cat. He's a big boy. Having a fat cat tells me a lot. People who have fat pets tells me a lot about them. What what is what are you getting? Uh, I mean, you're soft. <laughs> so is he. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that's, that. he's he, it's like people. I mean, it's. I think I start. I think they're like your pet is like your pet. I'm sorry, is like your Pokemon. It's true. It's I, you're an, not it's wrong. A, it's an extension. You're not, you're not wrong. I'm, I think you can, I'm a, I'm a giver. I like to give. I like to please. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, so I I please him, but now he's on a pitch count. Now he <laughs> there is a amount he gets a day, uh-huh. and uh, and but no, the first like year of his life, I was like, baby, let's eat, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he just got enormous right away, and I was like, oh shit, I gotta you know crack the whip here. It's the second at least baseball analogy that you've made. You still watch that crap? I do not watch baseball. I just use it for the analogies. Okay, it yeah. is. It's no, great for analogy. No sport has ever given it's more gr- to it's just the legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep using them even when children finally get wise and stop watching that game. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that the uh, the only children who are still watching it are um, have a, a, an intense, unhealthy uh, need to please their parents. Yeah, no, I th- Dave, uh, the guy I do the dollop with, he definitely has inundated his child into being a Giants fan. He's just brainwashed him immediately. It. And Dude, baseball, and yeah, I, I mean, I have arguments with him about baseball. And people amazing. like baseball. It's gotten worse. I loved it as a child. I loved. did too. Nobody, yeah. you Brewers guy, mm-hmm. Robin Yount, what have you, Paul Molitor. Yep. Nobody loved baseball more than me. I was absolutely obsessed, and it just becomes so incredibly stark when you're dealing with the new generation. I have a seven-year-old, and just the, I mean, simply the teaching them to play it, which yeah. it should be, in theory, fun for a kid to play any sport, uh... I mean, it's like soccer. Like, okay, put this on the ground. Don't use your hands. Kick it in that thing over there. They're going to yeah. try to do the same to you. Basketball. Bounce it when you run around. Yeah. Throw it in that hole. They're going to try to do the same to you. Now try to explain baseball oh, to a yeah. child. Yeah. Yeah. Just actually think about. No, there's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No child has the attention span to even <laughs> no. understand how balls and strikes can result in no, a strike. I, at a hit I, or a I walk. don't know how. I mean, once you uh, once they grasp hitting, you're like, All right, yeah. Now. Congratulations. Then, congratulations. He threw it outside you're the starting. box four times. You get to go stand <laughs> over there. Yeah. Yeah. And watch while somebody else does the exact you know, uh, tolerates the exact same situation I mean, you just sat through. You know, that's why I, my kids play high lie. I think that's the wise sport. It's really, really good. Straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straightforward game. Uh yeah, exactly. Uh not to be confused with uh, lacrosse or field hockey. Correct. Not to be confused with Is there really vanilla versions, I room, say. Room in our national palette for three sports where privileged white kids I'm run working on a fourth. With, I'm working on a fourth. I'm in Boca Raton five days a week. <laughs> I'm working with these kids. Putting in the hours. I'm, I'm pulling for it's you. It's gold ball. Highlights never really had a, Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah just a lump of goal and a net. <laughs> we have a more yeah. Instagram friendly yeah, right. version yeah, exactly. of highlight. Yeah. Well, that's what it's going to become, right? I it's mean, like highlight mixed with the fire festival. Yeah. Oh, good. Where do I sign? 
<laughs> Get the ink. Okay, so uh, you're, uh, IMDb, right? So we're, you mentioned the dollop. You do the dollop, and people love the dollop. It's a popular podcast about history. So I guess the mythology of the show is that Dave Anthony, the guy you do the show with, was really into the people's history of the United States. Yep. Do you, have you? I'm, it's one of those books. I I feel dumb for not having read. It, it's my year. The worst. I'm just waiting to read it when I have time. So you have you have not no. you have not either. No, I've read nothing. I mean that. Yeah, I, I know nothing. <laughs> I really do. I mean, as far as history goes, uh-huh. it's astounding to people that I. I mean, I you know, like I can watch Jeopardy and get some questions right on mm-hmm. history, but I mean, I there's just I just didn't listen. Why clutter the mind? Yeah, I say. Yeah, need room for pot smoke. Devote all of your resources to just being being in the moment. You know? Well, what, what I am, mean, what am I like a like a man library? Yeah. <laughs> well. If you had told any one of my teachers who was trying to drill information into my head that someday the actual the the reality mm-hmm. of not paying attention would benefit me greatly in my life, I mean they you know the, the well first of all I'd have to explain what a podcast is in the nineties and that would have been tough to start yeah 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 but they're getting it now they're aware of it take probably that, take that Milwaukee real yeah. wedding crashers and this and boom. So I guess uh, Dave subscribes to the theory, as most intelligent, informed people do, that most of the uh, history that we have been taught are lies. Based on your experience with this podcast, do you more or less believe that to be true? I compl- uh, I I would say, if not lies, uh, a version by design. Well, right. There's always the history is written by the winners. Yeah. In that part, and the winners cheated. In this game of history, so. But can you, I mean, if all is fair in love and war, then if you cheat at war, you were just doing war. Yeah, the thing about war, I think. I mean, you took the blankets. It, at some, well, <laughs> there you go. I mean, if they, if you see that as, a, as an act of war, then yes. That is, <laughs> if that was the Native Americans but they agreeing. Did, didn't they do it on purpose, the, the blankets? I always thought the, it would. Oh, no, the blankets, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, why how would they... How did they know how to put malaria in a blanket? I thought it was smallpox. It uh, might have been malaria. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. Um, they, uh, who knows? But they, I mean, look, if if a bunch of... I mean, it just has to be crazy for... If you're on a land and you see a bunch of people come here, you're probably like, friends! And then they're just like slowly taking everything but away. But why would you... Why would you... Okay. A, I disagree with your premise. And okay. B, I also disagree with what you think... Sounds you disagree. I do. It feels like it. On every single level. Okay. The, however, There's an A and a B to however, the disagree. Yeah. Okay. First of all, it is it is sort of putting the noble savage thing on them to assume that, that Indian people were not constantly at war with one another. I think they were already – they're tribal people. They assume that if, you're, if I don't know you from growing up around town, fuck you. You want my shit. I don't know why they would presume other about the – about the pale faces. Okay. I when I say friends, you're yep. right. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the TV show. I know they like that show. Um <laughs> but I do you're right. I mean there was definitely friction. There was mm-hmm. definitely Yeah, uh, and even if you do presume uh, you know uh uh innocently guilelessly that these people are here cuz they like you, fool me once. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, what happens when you get fooled a million times though? Who do yeah. you blame? Uh yeah, I I I well, the point Overall being that the history of white America is littered with fabrications uh, and, yeah, aversion. I mean, it really is. There are 
Um, and I, I think I look when I grew up and I was being taught uh, in school. You hear about slavery. You know who Frederick Douglass. You know you like hear, you know you know some stuff. <laughs> Donald Trump didn't go to that school, right? True. Yeah, he, Frederick's a close friend of his. But uh, <laughs> but but you so you learn some stuff and you're very you know you're aware. But there's no uh, emotion really given to the story of slavery and the darkness of slavery. And you know that's just one of the one of the examples. But sure. But um. And then I think through the show, I mean, I not again, not that you're like slavery was okay, like it's terrible, but I don't think you really uh, can feel the weight of that uh, in school. I don't think they they really hit you with the reality of, you know, the people that you're being taught about as heroes owned people Mm -hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So the dollop has been eye opening in a a number of ways with that sort of stuff. Could you change anything? Like, would you if if I based on your experience allowed you to redesign elementary school Uh, textbooks? What would you where would you start? Well, I don't think I'd be the guy for the job. I'll say that to begin with. But, um, you know, I mean, I would I would I think that the country we live in now has a problem with race and racism. And I think that is birthed out of the fact that the overwhelming guilt people will feel or would feel or do feel is so enormous that it's easier to not think about it and move on from it than actually deal with it. And I think that there's a lot that uh, people should have to deal with. You know, like in, in Germany, they, the kids learn about the Holocaust in school. You know, like they're, I mean, it probably because it's uh, maybe a little more recent, but it's something that German, uh, in a lot of German schools, kids are taught about it and taught about the dark side of it. Yeah. I don't think I got that uh, training or education. Well, right, because it's not such a big part of our international standing that we're supposed to own and be shamed over that. Like Germans know, in order to be integrated back into the world, they have to that's, they uh, have to actively be sorry for that. That's true. not something that's asked of from America. No, but know, it should on, be. On I mean, well, well but a lot of the other countries we'd be dealing with would have been doing similar shit, if not worse themselves. Well, I think that that it. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, there mo- most countries are for the most part founded upon some sort of. Uh, race issue it's to all, some yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, some, um, but some, I still some... I still don't think that's necessarily a pass for uh this country or a reason to not do it. I mean I you know, I really do. I think that like it is it's 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 a problem and I think that I think that every race has now become comfortable with the fact that white people maybe don't uh deal with it or think about it and it's become okay. And I think that if you you know if you open your mind to thinking about how fucked up it is and terrible it is it does give you a little more empathy towards where people you know who have no affiliation with it are today though you know i think it's interesting if you want to understand what you know your country's bugaboos are look at the way other countries deal with the things that we can't deal with i for some reason japan over yeah. and over japan had uh in our lifetime like a sort of a blackface craze yeah and my wife is Japanese, so there may or may not even be some members of her family who attempted to have black hair. And these were just like mall chicks of yeah. Japan because wow. that was that was kind of when what... you say black. What do you mean, like full on or I, just I like? Think there, I think there may have been some like uh, 
you would put on like a foundation or something. Uh-huh. That was a li- not not full right, on right, but Ted darkening da- not your Ted, skin. Ted Danson. It right. was like inspired by. That's kind of cool. Or I, the governor of uh, wherever it is now, oh who's just he's oh got his black face, Virginia or something. Just just take your shit and oh. head for the door, dude. Well, look, I mean, leave. But what is even crazier to me? I mean, look, doing having first of all having doing blackface is crazy. Having a picture of you in blackface, crazier. There are people who still do it. I mean, every Halloween we're reminded of some dumb yeah. shithead who's just like, wait, why? See, I, I don't get too hung up on, uh, to me, I always, it's like the Jerry Springer example. When Jerry Springer was at its height, people would say, see how awful and, and, and corrupt uh, America is. Look at look at America. This is America on display. And I read this really smart article. I kind of want to say in Playboy because I was in college and those used to be strewn on the bathroom floor. You're the guy reading the articles. I knew I'd meet you. Well, when you're done jerking off, if you haven't finished taking a shit yet, <laughs> whoa, we didn't have phones. Hello, we didn't ring the phone. bell, Mike. We didn't. Have we phones. got one. We didn't have phones. Then, so no, we didn't. You had no. to do something. Yeah, yeah. They would just be. I mean, sometimes yeah. in my college, <laughs> because it was in the bathroom, people would bring them in, and um, they would, and they the pages would be ripped out. These are monsters Jesus. who were receiving twenty five, thirty thousand dollar year educations, just uh, and, ripping pages out of a magazine. And then to it was so on. wet in there that they would just become stuck. To the floor, and they became like the the, the like you know you can the, like paper mache things different different things from Playboy and lesser uh, imitators would just be ripped out pages be, tiling your bathroom floor yeah animals so yeah you just read that while you so were, you're just jerking off at your floor eventually I, oh boy I don't want to get into Sore that neck. I can't recall if that ever actually happened I sounds don't, like a yes you heard it here first I gang. don't think so but the article made this terrific point um, which is where I've been trying to go with this that. The Jerry Springer show was successful because none of us related to those people, and we it was a it was a ritual stoning. The audience is literally sitting on an incline. That's kind of the only way you can look at a TV show. But that's the way all sure. are. But they are literally we are literally looking down on these people, and it, and it ends up affirming all affirming the status quo. It's not that's what we are. It's all of us are not that. Let's all collectively hate and and make fun of the other. And I feel like when there's there's millions of people and all it takes to become a viral sensation is to do some stupid thing with your Halloween Cash me outside. Yeah, that it, it, it says more, those people say more about everybody else looking at them. That we all, there's always going to be a couple that we can go, look at what, look at the fucking asshole who didn't get the memo all the rest of us got. But But looking at where we're at now, don't you think potentially, looking back, that those people on the stage are actually who we are, at least. No, I don't feel like the people who are on Jerry Springer are representative of American culture. I think at this point, I I watched a documentary, a Louis Thoreau documentary, uh, recently, and he was talking to. It made me very sad because it was probably I think it was made maybe like when Obama was first elected, and he he you know went and hung out with these Nazis, this Nazi family, and this um, you know Nazi mother and her. Uh, white supremacist children and at the end he's like um, he asks her if she's ever thought about mental help because I mean she's you know she's intense into it and she goes why haven't you seen mental why don't you go get mental help and he's like well to be fair I don't think I need it and she goes I don't think I need it he goes yes but we as a society have decided that your views are ones that are not okay with us and maybe you do need it and I was like it's a shame (laughs) because She's been vindicated in some way by today's culture, by the the by the way our our society and our uh, government is set up now. 
um, I think it's more racist than it was 10 years ago in this country, or at least more out in the open. So while, yeah, the Jerry Springer people are fucking lunatics, and I enjoyed watching them beat the shit out of each other, and I think you're totally right that we were basically like, whoa, look at these psychos. I think that class, that that person now is more of a viable option in our society as a political candidate than they were 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I think that that is a, a troubling sign. Yeah, I choose to look on the bright side of it, uh, and, you know, who knows? I'm not even saying that, I'm not, I'm not saying that the future's done or any of that, but yeah. I just think if you look at us now... Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, to me. There's, I don't think, I, I don't think ten years ago I would have thought that I would have a president who, when a girl is killed during a Klan uh, protest, will be like, yeah, whatever. You know, like that to me would not have seemed uh, possible. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, is something that has happened. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that the kind of what do you know what hegemony means? I think it's when a hedgehog invests. <laughs> is it? So cute with their little dollars yeah, and fingers, yeah, their little monocles. <laughs> I'm not going to use a word that I don't understand, but I think it's where I'm going with this. When they're white America, you know, is, is America, you know, Caucasian Eurocentric ideas about what this country is and the dominance of those kinds of people is all this country has ever known. And just for demographic reasons that cannot be undone and will not be undone, that is drawing to a close. And I think that a dying animal makes some really ugly noises when it's in, in its in its last moments. I, and I think the the dying moments might well last a couple decades. Yeah. But I think you are seeing the ugly expression of the small portion of that large group of people who can't roll with the punches. Yeah. Or don't I, don't want don't want to because make no mistake, you know, the the vast majority of uh, of, you know, white bred Americans are like, yeah, you know, this is what we are now. It's, you know, it was if if you have a half a brain, yeah, everybody got fucking crazy when the Irish got here. Everybody fucking got crazy oh, yeah. when you know uh, Chinese. I mean, you can find progressive. No, pro- you can find progressive people from um, from our past who are like, all races are created equal. It's obvious. It's in the Constitution, except Chinamen. Yeah, I know. I mean, just crazy. so it's yeah. all there, and and everybody has their turn to be the shit. Well, I, th- and, I don't, and, and anybody who you know, it's like this country is going to become more Hispanic, and that's the way it well, is. Well, I think and most people, and it already has, and most people are fine with it, dude. Do you know tortilla chips? Tortilla chips outsell potato chips, and salsa outsells ketchup. It's <laughs> amazing. Isn't that yeah, fun? no, I mean that's I've always found it funny that racists probably adore Mexican food, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't think you're wrong. I just think that you know this. There And I think, look, if the way that we get rid of our problem with race is by making it a non-white country, as is happening, then I think that's fine, too. Yeah. It would be nice if we, we had learned it, but, you know, sometimes you got to go whole hog. It's amazing, man. I don't know what the magic number is, but you get over a certain number of people and it, it just can't, um, society can't 
happen in you know gradual methodical intelligent steps it can only oh, yeah. it can only lurch no and, it's, and it's, 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 it's like when you're trying to go to another bar you know it's like if you're out with two friends and you're and you're hammered <laughs> you can just make that decision yeah. once the number gets to like five or six you're just it's tougher. not, it's a you're company not move. getting out of that bar yeah. clean. There's always one dickhead. Oh, I thought you were done, so I went back and got another right, one. Or this yeah. guy is hitting on this ugly person. Or... Yeah, I think, yeah, you you very well could be right about that. I I definitely, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think to some extent we probably are hurting cats. So uh, I think that's very much the case. Um, oh, I was also going to say about the Japanese people, not just the blackface. I'm led to believe that there's a, a growing pop movement of uh, cute little girls dressing like Nazis. Oh my god! Yeah, I, because they don't. Ha- it's just because they, they don't know. And well, of course they know. They were the fucking allies. You think of but all they, the people. But the, they you should think be a little girl it. dressing up like a is aware that I think that there's always with their pop stuff. It's kind of like the boy band shit. Oh, it's, it's, you said there's, pop. There's weird. There's like Svengali's at the, you know, some wow. the, the the Lou Pearlman of Japan is like nobody's doing Nazis. <laughs> Gosh, they like they uh, like they a like... Japanese Lou Pearlman turns my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> but then they've got you know they can't talk about their shit with China. Everybody's uh, got yeah. their shit, and and it's just that's that's not our our bugaboos aren't theirs, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. No, to see. very. I think that's true. How'd you meet your wife? Uh, uh Craig, Craigslist. Really? Yeah. Uh, on a single like singles? Um, n- no. Um, I was I was working as a dominatrix. And... Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was renting a room. And Craigslist. Really? And she came by to see the room. And I told all my friends, if uh, she doesn't take the room, I'm going to ask her out. Wow. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, it was fun. Nice work, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You have another podcast, Point versus Point? Craigslist, you dirty dog. Oh, yeah. I was on there with my <laughs> I was on there with my the fist of Adonis at Hotmail.com email address. <laughs> oh, what's that to love? <laughs> uh, yeah, Point versus Point is a uh, podcast I do with my writing partner, Evan Mann, uh, and it is a... Uh, a pretty much weekly uh, fake kind of sketchy debate show where we play heightened characters and just argue about personal stuff instead of politics. Like what? Well, we'll have little plot lines. I mean, it's totally scripted, so we'll have little plot lines running through it. God, that's a lot of work. It is. Uh, it's annoying. Um, but uh, the plot lines, you know, vary from uh, at one point Evan was convinced that he was pregnant as a man. He was the first man pregnant. Um, I uh, At one point he was thought he was in a relationship with Charlize Theron. Uh, then he was dating her for a year, and it was actually someone who was drugging him. Um, what have I done? I've, uh, had a cocaine problem on the show. Uh, just tons you, you and like tons. like drugs for real? Uh, I've, I've liked drugs for real. I think I'm at a point now where the drugs that I like, I kind of don't even consider drugs anymore because they're of earth. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I like, uh, <laughs> did you just throw up on your mic? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like. I haven't done. Yeah, it is. Fuck you, Mike. Uh, I, uh, I, I smoke pot and uh, I enjoy the hallucinogens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, those are the good ones, man. Yeah. I, I miss drugs. The only drugs that I can do are the creepy. You, you, you chose family. You got to choose. Mutually exclusive. Yes, come on. come on, stop it. Um, the only drugs that I can do are like slimy, greasy, embarrassing ones, and I don't like what. Like, you know, pills and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I would like to, 
my wife last night it's, smoked. You sounded like Borat for I know, a second I did. there. I sound like that, fucking Doug Benson. Did that happen? My my wife last night was was just smoking weed. We had dinner. We grew we had a steak, and she had a glass of wine and 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 ate a little edible. And that's what I want to do, but that does not agree with me. Edible. Well, edibles are edibles can be a strong. It was strong... a tiny little baby one, but I, all I got is you're big... so down on yourself. All Look, I got you is... can get high, Mike. All I know, I can't. We are at a point in time where convincing people to do drugs. Is the national campaign? Oh, I've got you it. can I've got do is, drugs, Mike. All I've got is big pharma. No, thank you. You're at Reynolds Gareth. That's right. On social media, you got the dollop pod and the point versus point pod, and you are GarethReynolds.com. That's right, everybody. I'll, I'm always on tour for stand up or the dollop. Go to GarethReynolds.com or the dollop.com or dollop podcast.com. Sorry.